You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. another episode of the x-man podcast thank you for checking out the program i'll be your host doc coil what's going on y'all i don't know your boy is uh you know it's kind of a thing we do in in western polite society apparently they do this a little more in the uk but here it's you know hey how, how you doing ain't reflexively you just go oh i'm good i'm fine 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 you know the higher it you say fine the more bullshit it is <laughs> um you know and i haven't been that fine lately you know dealing dealing with some anxiety dealing with some depression you know, more anxiety i feel like i feel like it's more anxiety um you know some elements of my personal life you know are not optimal you know, but I think, you know, the thing that's that's looming the most is, is this weird element, you know, of what's uh, going on with the, the Bad Wolf situation. You know, we just released this uh, single lifeline and it's under many metrics. I mean, it's doing fantastic. I think it's number 22 on the active rock chart, which is like, you know, the fastest rising rock single for the band ever. Out of, out of all our singles, you know, the video is, it's going to hit like a million views tomorrow in like a little more than a week and a half or something like that. Maybe almost two weeks. Um, yeah, actually it's closer to two weeks. Let me get that correct. You know, it's doing well on Spotify. People seem to like it, but you know, that it, it has come kind of baked in this backlash of, you know, just, just haters, you know, just, just some haters. And I, and I hate putting um you know a spotlight on that but it's it's difficult you know it's difficult like i give you um you know what? i'm not even gonna read it let's let's not go there let's not put put too much to a, a spotlight um but yeah it's it's kind of and i was thinking about it right i don't know if you guys seen this clip of ronnie radke um pointing out a fan at at a festival who had a fuck Ronnie Radke shirt on from falling in reverse. And like, you know, he spent like 10 minutes interacting with this guy and kind of, you know, first it was aggressive and then it was a little like, Hey man, that's just, that's just not right. You know, why, why are you going to, why fuck me? And it's, it puts this point on that, you know, look at Ronnie Radke, very famous guy, very successful guy. And he's playing to, you know, 20, 30,000 people, people loving what he's doing, but it's that one person 
takes the focus and fucks up your chi, right? But that's, for me, that's like every day. <laughs> I get one, two, maybe more comments, and it's, some of it's extremely vitriolic. You know, some of it's like, you know what? Fuck Doc. <laughs> and I'm laughing, and I think the laugh is, is maybe a little bit, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a sincere laugh. It's not funny. Um, but there's this thing, right, where I don't think we're really factioned to actually deal with a certain type of online harassment. And that's what it is. It's harassment because it's not criticism, right? If someone just goes, fuck you or make some uh, a claim, and some of these claims are just outright falsehoods, right? Not some. They are outright falsehoods. And... You, I, I really, so I've talked about, about this a little before about the fight or flight, but you only have a few things you can do, right? There's only a few options, right? You can, which, I, and I think the, the first option is what we're expected to do, which is to kind of just, just toughen up, you know, just, you know, keep calm and carry on. And you just, you, you know, uh, sticks and stones may hurt me, but, but words never will, right? And there's the, well, I'm just going to, you know, the flight, right? I'm just, I'm just not going to go on social media. I'll delete off my phone. Don't have to deal with it, right? And live, live easy breezy. Kind of hard to promote a record personally without social media. Kind of hard to be connected. So that's a, that's a tough one. And the third one is, is engage, right? Just, and I, and I think it's one thing if someone just goes, fuck you. You know, and the other day, it actually kind of ruined my day. And maybe, maybe I'm giving uh, fuel to the, haters right now they know they can the trolls they know that they know that they can bother me this one particular post though they uh i don't think they they knew i would i would be there but it was, it was actually a band i mentioned on this show um in the last episode and they were like give me props hey thanks thanks doc for talking about our record and really cool and positive and then another guy yeah that's cool but f doc right and another guy kind of chimed in you stole it right and I just and I just started going at these guys a little bit, just correcting the record. And I just and I said, "Thing, listen, I've worked too hard to be disrespected, because the ultimately, like, if someone came up to you in your in person and said those things, you'd have a big problem with it. It'd be, it would really would be fight or flight, right? But the truth is, they ninety nine times out of a hundred they wouldn't do that. And but I think our brains are still kind of programmed in a way as if it was in your face, which is why the Ronnie Radke thing happens, right? Like no one's immune from that. So how do you figure that out? I feel like sports stars have it the worst because literally every day, if you're, you're on a big team or there's like people just like, you suck, like every day. That's like your life, right? <laughs> Rock stars don't have it quite as, quite quite that bad. Um, but I'm tr I'm literally trying to figure out what to do. And I'm almost like, hey, if you guys want to write in the xmanpodcastgmail.com, give me some advice because I'm not really sure what to do because the prevailing sentiment I've heard is, is the, hey, just buck up, just, you know, toughen up, develop thick skin. And I'm going to tell you guys, I've got pretty fucking thick skin. I do. I'm already kind of well developed in there, but I do have a, I do have a high sense of dignity I do have a, um, 
I think a certain chip on my shoulder when it comes to things I perceive as being disrespectful, especially with in regard to my profession and my passion and something I've devoted my life to. And so when those credentials are questioned, it is not, um, it's not something I take lightly. Like I said, I'm not a fighter, but I'm not, I'm, I'm just not going to have those things questioned. So what I think is, has been happening to me and why I'm kind of hitting this, this wall is I think I've been doing the thick skin, just toughen up thing for, you know, we're going on nine months now, right? Of this. And I think what happens is when you shove that shit down, you just go, mm, all right, I'm good. You know, eventually it, it manifests, you know, and so I don't, I don't think that the developed thick skin, that is not a sustainable strategy, you know? And it got me thinking about, uh, there was this quote, this, uh, Jordan Peterson's quote I started talking about on on Twitter, and he goes, here's the quote. I hope this is accurate. Maybe, maybe hopefully it's, it's not a misquote, but he goes, if you think tough men are dangerous, wait until you see what weak men are capable of. And I, I did a little quote to you. I go, being so tough that you're afraid of weak people is a mind-bending concept that my brain fo- folding in on itself, has my brain folding in on itself. And I, I think I might, maybe I misinterpreted it, and I had some people kind of, chime in and actually give me some context to it. Maybe I kind of saw it the other way. My, my general issue with it was uh, Jordan Peterson, but someone who kind of, I feel like, speaks for some segment of, of right-leaning people is that the whole idea of being, I think, a right-wing predominant thing is that left-wing people are weak, right? They're soft. They're the, you know, the, 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 everyone gets a trophy generation, the safe spaces generation, the triggered generation. And so we're tough. You're soft, right? You're, you're weak. Um, and, but there's this, this thing underpinning it that will also, in addition to being weak, but you're also the most dangerous people. We must stop the socialist Marxist (laughs) thing, right? That's going to destroy society and lead to Soviet bread lines and, tyranny and all, and all that stuff. Right. So I was just making that, making that point, um, which I'm, I don't really want to get into here, but what it actually made me think about and I ended up getting into this guy and one guy, and it was a little contentious at first, but then we actually started listening to each other and realized, okay, we're not totally on, on, um, on different wavelengths. And I was like, you know what this conversation is about? It's not about left or right. That's kind of neither here nor there. What it really is about is what, characterizes strength right because they were like well what he's really talking about is mental strength um and you know we we were talking about things like um suicide bombers right or mass shooters right is it a weak person that does a shooting right like you could say okay well it was de facto of their mental weakness that they had to go out and commit some horrible acts, but then you go, well, it actually does take some bravery, commitment to do something d- despite it being terrible. I don't know. It just it just became this kind of philosophical wormhole, you know, about what is strength, right? Like often people that feel the need to project strength all the time are in fact very insecure, 
right? But then at the same time, like I was thinking, I was like, well, maybe it's not that there are strong people in this corner and weak people over here. It's that we have the capacity to be strong in certain areas and weak in other areas. I don't know. It's just, like I said, it's it's a philosophical wormhole to some, to some degree. It's something I have to think about, you know. But it's times like these where I don't feel strong. But I'm told, certain people tell me, just don't, you know, keep it positive, you know. And I just don't feel like putting on the fucking face all the time that everything's fucking great. I'm sick of that shit, right? And if that makes me weak, then it makes me weak. All right, I'm the guy, all right? And I guess I'm, I'm, I'm weak now. Uh, but I do think there is a certain kind of strength in being vulnerable and saying, hey, you know what? I don't have it all fucking figured out. And I'm sick of pretending that I have it all figured out or the pretending that I'm strong. And I can be, listen, I can be the rock. I'm a pretty solid guy. I think most of the time I'm usually the voice of reason within the melee of wavering emotions amongst other people. I'm the one that usually tries to, I'm bringing people, other people down from the ledge, but I've never experienced something like I've experienced since last year. And so what do you do with that? What's the fucking end game, right? Is this something you just deal with forever? I don't know if I want to do that, you know? And then you go, well, why am I here? Am I here to play music? Am I here to have fun? Am I here to make money? Am I here to be important? I really don't know. I need a fucking therapist. That's what I need to do. That's what I need to do. Yes, <laughs> uh, to some degree, this is my therapy. As it is with many podcasters, you listeners are just uh just a passenger on a, on our on our road to some kind of revelation. I don't know. I just needed to get that out, y'all. Um, and like I said, I'm not, when I'm going through a period of um, anxiety or depression, whatever, I'm not generally fatalistic about it. I understand that it's temporary. You know? it's And, and in many ways, it's uh, there's an ev- evolutional imperative to it that says when you're anxious when you're depressed that means there's something you're you know unless it's purely chemical then obviously you have other issues with that but it's a signal that there's something not working and then you go work on it and then you work your way out of it so i'm not fatalistic about it and i'm not a dweller i don't dwell in it i don't i don't swim in the soup of moroseness you know it's not i i don't i don't find that to be very helpful. So I, so I don't want anyone feeling sorry. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm sure everyone's going through it. And I feel like, you know, and I've, I've noticed a lot of people are going through it in one way or another. You've seen this, like Mike Patton just canceled the whole tour because he's like, you know what? My, my mental health is not where it needs to be. And, uh, and I get that. And I, I think my, my big, one of my big instincts is just to go, you know what? <sighs> You know, I, you know, I just want to fucking take, take it all off, you know, just like, I just want to go, I just want to go in the woods and disappear. That's, that's like my instinct. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's a good instinct or not, but all right. I think we've, I think we've done enough of that. 15 minutes, baby. There you go. 15 minutes of 
Doc on the damn therapist couch. Good stuff. <laughs> um, we do have a sponsor this week. It's a band. I'm, I'm hoping I pronounce this right. It's uh, Aceity. I think I did it well. This is a song. It's a female fronted band. I know I don't I don't necessarily need that preamble, but but they mentioned it, so I feel like I feel okay to mention it. This is a brand new song entitled Silent Whispers.
So this is two weeks in a row when I've made a screw up on my intro that I have to correct after the fact. Last week, I think I, it was last week or the week before I called the band from the UK that was not from the UK. And this this week, the band name, it's Aciety, not Aciety. I did, I did email them just to clarify, and that's how the website actually, it hooked it up. Anyway, that song was cool. It was like, uh, I don't know, like Deathcore meets Lacuna Coil kind of thing, which I don't know if I've really heard too much. That's a that's a nice blend. And that, that track, Silent Whispers, actually features the singer Taylor Barber from the band Left to Suffer. I think that's that real, the real evil, evil darkness, that's where... That's where that was coming from. The band has another track. And by the way, the the I'm sorry, I have to I I feel remiss to, to talk about the, the singer Monica So. I, I think it's more of like a I think she's like running the show, you know, and then she has some other people involved. And it's a, you know, they're they're doing some shit. But there's a new, another single called Losing Myself that is also streaming right now. So the band, they're like, you know, they're they're getting it off the ground. And I think it's exciting that this is a this is a good place. Again, that's Aciety. And by the way, here's the way you spell it. It's A-S-E-I-T-Y. Again, that's A-S-E-I-T-Y. And you should go over to their website, which is acietyband.com. They have a bunch of merch on there. Uh, both the Facebook and Instagram is Aciety Official. And, you know, send them a message. Download their single. You know, it was heavy. It was beautiful. It had all the stuff. All right. Go over there, tell them Doc Cole sent you, tell them the X-Men fans love to support. And if you would like, thank you to them for sponsoring the show. Um, I just, I appreciate it so, so very much. Uh, Robert Volkoff, I think also plays in the band. Um, or at least he works for the band or he plays in the band. I don't know. I'm screwing it up. I appreciate everyone involved. Sorry if I, I don't have all my um, all my particulars down. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good, but I'm not the most professional in the world. But if you'd like to sponsor the show, just drop in the DMs or shoot me an email at the X-Man podcast at gmail.com. Remember, that is E-X. All right. A lot of stuff in the intro, but that's all right. Sometimes you had a longer I was, I was sharing my soul, okay, in the beginning of the show, and I already feel better, all right? Why pay for therapy when I can use my show, all right? And I could just drip on the intro and then you guys can just pick up my my silly putty bleeding body <laughs> i appreciate i do feel better actually i'm not gonna lie i feel like i had some guys i get shit get off my chest all right <laughs> we have an amazing guest right now it's a man a very talented man named nate garrett he plays guitar and does lead vocals and it's kind of like i guess you know you see we talk about it, he was kind of like a one-man band for this band spirit adrift like a real fucking heavy metal band that's just making all kinds of waves out in the world. And I had the pleasure of having him on my other show, Last Words, rest in peace. And we got along like gangbusters and he's such a cool dude. He's got great hair, all right, that helps. Uh, but I just, you know, I had the opportunity to speak with him on, on, on the show, which we had, we had talked about a while back and I'm just glad we got to make it happen. So. Uh, this band has been around for a while, not a long, long time, but they're making waves. And Doc Coyle is trying to be part of, you know, the, the movement and the scene. So I don't think he really needs a whole lot of introduction. He's the man. And you know what? I think, oh, by the way, he also played in Gate Creeper, who, you know, scene cred. All right. That's some real shit right there. He, he, he ain't fucking around. But anyway, 
I'm gonna stop with the intro. Please check out this conversation with the incredible Nate Garrett. That's what I'm talking about. What's up? You know, you know, I'm uh went to that Megadeth Lamb of God show last night, so you know, uh the liver has been penetrated. <laughs> and uh the sleep was not optimal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I went to that uh, last Friday, I guess. Yeah. What'd you think? Oh, it was great. It was yeah. like every, everyone, I was uh, Miss Hatebreed, which I kind of figured because they they do that thing on the venue where they, if you look it up, they give a time and you, you think, oh, it's doors. And I'm like, no, it's not. That's the time the band starts and they do that to like gaslight you and shit. So you show up and then, and then you're parking while the band's playing. So yeah, don't worry. They did that to my band. when We played the same venue. <laughs> it was shame, pretty, bro. pretty sparse when, when, when we went on, but it, it was, uh, no, it was, it was sick, man. I, it's like, I was actually kind of having this little revelation because, you know, the last tour I did was bad wolves, five finger death punch, Megadeth, but five finger was headlining. And it was weird because it was like five fingers crowd. Like it, it really, like where I was like, man, I was like, I was like, I, either I was like, cause I'd be in there like watching the show every day, singing along, and I'd be like the only one. I'm like, what's going on? I was like, is Megadeth like is that just not cool anymore? People don't know. And then you see this tour, and they're closing the show, and it's like ten thousand people, and you're like, damn, this is sick. Yeah, dude, watching Mustaine up close, that was the first time I've seen Megadeth, and um, really, yeah, first time ever. They honestly, dude, they were the last bucket list band for me. Um, there's, there were three others, but the, the window of opportunities probably closed there. I never got to see Pantera. I got into them yeah. like in the year 2001. And so I just, right. dude, that, was, I, that was the year they broke up. I missed them literally by like, I was living in Oklahoma at the time. I missed them by like a couple of weeks. I got into them like wow. two weeks after they were in Oklahoma, obviously never toured again. Uh, typo negative. I never got to see which that's a huge bummer and Dio. I never got to see Dio even with like heaven and hell. Um, but other than that, I I've pretty much seen everybody that's on the bucket list except Megadeth. And it was, um, dude, I got a shout out Randy from Lamb of God. He, he hooked it up, man. And I hadn't seen them in a while either. God damn. They're good. God <laughs> damn. They're good, man. Yeah. It's, I think, you know, you're catching, all the bands kind of at a really good time with the lineups and like almost everyone in all those bands is like sober and like just holding it down and really focused. And, you know, I mean, you know, as a, as musician yourself, where you, you know, you play music that has some technicality to it, the amount of focus and kind of regimented work it takes to get something like tight, tight. Oh you know, yeah. Those, man. And those are the, yeah, and and like I said, seeing Dave up close for the first time, um, I, I don't think I really ever quite realized how how much of a significant impact that dude has on what I'm doing because you know I I love James Hetfield like those are my two two guys that I looked to as a kid as like I want to be like that. Um, I, I love James Hetfield. Don't get me wrong, but Mustaine, he's going back from rhythm, like this really progressive complex stuff 
to leads like his he can play lead guitar just about as good as anybody in metal and he's singing all at the same time and it i realized in that moment like that's my that's the guy like i think if if i had to pick a single biggest influence on what i'm doing it, it's probably him and i was watching his uh his gibson icons interview that came out i think it came out the same day as that first show i caught the first show in austin um and he described like getting into guitar early on and and he used the word athletic he wanted to approach it almost like athletically and just fucking smoke everybody and uh yeah i i think that really rubbed off on me my whole life i I don't even think i realized like i said how much that inspired me until i saw him right there and i was just like oh my god and he's fucking 60 dude like how's how the fuck does he do that stuff well, I mean, think about it. I mean, heavy metal in its current form, right, has only been around since the 70s. Sure. And basically, black, you know, I did I guess Black Sabbath is officially retired now, right? Yeah, I mean, they they've said that they're not going to tour anymore, but of course they want to leave it open-ended on whether they'll make music or yeah, do one-offs but, or whatever. So up until recently, the original heavy metal band was still playing and kind of you're pushing the limitation to go, okay, how how much can the human body perform this stuff as you get into your 60s and 70s? You know, we're seeing that. And then now you have the next generation from that down, the the maidens and the priests kind of kind of pushing it as well. And then, but then as the metal keeps going, the music gets faster and more difficult and more rigorous. But then we're, you know, you're seeing guys like Dave Lombardo, it doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime soon. Um <laughs> But then you know, I, you know, I know a big reason why Slayer put it down was that Tom Raya had a lot of physical issues, and you know, he had neck surgery, so he couldn't headbang anymore. So it definitely, it's a mixed bag. But we're kind of starting to see who can, how far you can you can take this. But but it seems like the at least the the will to want to do this stuff never goes away. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the things I picked up from Mustaine during their set is he that fucking mean streak he's got that that like defiant fucking punk rock thing that is in his soul is still there for sure and man that was inspiring and yeah i mean the the type of music we're playing like you said earlier it's it takes a certain amount of physicality um even just to play it And, and you know there's a lot of like small working parts in these hands, dude. And it's going to happen to all of us. That shit just uh, mechanically is going to like start to, to fail eventually. So, you know, as we're all getting older, yeah, you kind of gotta, you gotta take it seriously, like maintaining your health and your, just the mechanism, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's a very physical form of music that we have, uh, found ourselves playing for sure oh you don't have to tell me i had back surgery in november of 2020 i've been in physical therapy for my neck and my wrist for my left wrist and uh like i have situations where my pinky you see that how it gets stuck oh yeah that'll happen so i'll be doing like fast sweet picking like arpeggios and my hand will just lock up oh, that man. didn't have that didn't happen 10 years ago yeah yeah <laughs> so well, sometimes I'm, it's I'm not even you dude i even just today i was doing pull-ups and my left shoulder just i don't know what's going on but it just doesn't 
it'll like just stop. It doesn't, it doesn't like super hurt. It's not all that painful. It's just a complete mechanical failure. Yeah. You know? And I think that honestly, I got problems with my right hip and my left shoulder and I'm thinking about it. And I think it's from carrying amp heads on tour <laughs> upstairs and stuff. Cause I keep my right yeah. hand free for like opening doors. And if I think about the motion of like carrying an amp up a flight of stairs, it's left shoulder and right hip. So I'm, I'm doing like mobility exercises and stuff, trying to get ahead of it, but surgery is in the future for sure. I don't think there's any escaping it. Well, well, guitar inherently is, uh, an, as you know, in addition to doing things like that moving gear, but it's, it's an imbalance, right? You got weight leaning on one side of your body. Usually when you stand, you favor maybe left or right side, or if you have pedals, maybe you're constantly up on an, angle like i like the last gig i did uh was playing with the wedding band with, with robin kirk from metallica and uh my back went out the, like at sound check and it was and I, I was using this like elevated pedal board and i and we had this one section where they were doing this wah competition so we were doing the uh the theme song the shaft bro how are you gonna point. how are you gonna have a wah competition with kirk hammond I didn't have it. He had it with um, oh, okay. <laughs> this this uh, shred uh, cross dressing uh, guitar player named uh, Mrs. Smith. Oh yeah, I know Mrs. Smith. Well, Kirk's yeah, gonna win a wah like. Well, she won. What? You know, she won. Yeah, you know, but she had six wah pedals going at one time that she could okay. step on them all of them at the same time. So it's a, it's a whole different uh, game. But anyway, <laughs> I was you know like last minute. Kirk's like, all right, you do the like and and the whole thing was like 10 minutes long so i literally think i was doing wah so much at rehearsal that i was off balance that it's that it like tensed up my back and that's what made my back go out so balance y'all no fun man <laughs> but um anyway so do you remember so when when you were on last words the uh the now canceled rest in peace uh, show we did for the pit we the subject a lot of what we talked about and debated about was megadeth and metallica so it's kind of come full circle yes it has man and i think uh you know i'm pretty sure cat asked me if i had any ideas for a topic and i, I had just read uh that rust and peace book that came out. yeah 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 you and, were and i was like let's let's dive into that like they're that is ripe <laughs> for discussion um but dude i you know all of that being said, like I said, then I, I can't pick, I, I'm not going to pick between Metallica and Megadeth. I'm not like, I love them both for different reasons. And yeah, I just have so much respect for, for everybody that's been in either one of those bands. Really. I, they're just, they're monumental. They're, you know, two of the most important bands ever. And, uh, yeah, I've seen Metallica a few times, um, but like I said, never saw Megadeth. So, so I can rest easy now. If I die tomorrow, there's no more uh, bucket list bands left. <laughs> Let, well, that's that's good. You got listen. You got to cross off. I'm trying to think if there's any I haven't seen. See me. I've pretty much seen almost everyone. It's just have I toured with them? Like I I've toured with every big four band. I've played on stage. I played like on stage with someone from every big four band that's amazing i have you know yeah I, you know but i've toured with priest sabbath slayer slipknot 
uh not no maiden though i'm trying to think but to make that know, happen dude well you know they're still but killing it yeah but here's the thing open up for maiden is that's kind of stepping into the you know the the mouth of the tiger to some degree that, that, that crowd is is there for one reason alone <laughs> yeah that's true i i think uh yeah ghost was opening the last yeah. time i saw him and, and, and that's they, a good opener that's ooh, a good they brought it because they had a production and it, it i mean yeah. it was just like off the charts production and and so it kind of they didn't seem to uh struggle to win the crowd over or anything like that well no they're well here's the thing ghost is an arena band in their own right and their sound they sound like a band from back in the day so oh, yeah it, it just it's all they're you know for all intents and purposes they're the the Iron Maiden of this time, right? With the iconography and the the epic songs. And listen, perfect marriage for a tour. Oh yeah. I love Ghost. I love Ghost. I like that Me last too. record a lot and that uh that Pope Star EP. Dude, and stuff. They, they have they have like they haven't gone wrong yet. Every release is amazing. So all right, enough about Ghost. Let's solo talk about your band, Spirit Adrift. Uh, I guess I guess we could do that. No, it's, it's, you know, I didn't, I, you know, you guys really weren't on my radar until I was doing this show last words where we kind of, one thing that was really cool about that show was it's it, the first, you know, like six months, basically we had five records to listen to every week. Like here's, here's a new record. And a lot of it was really diverse. It wasn't just, here's the five most popular bands or here's the, you know, whatever it, it was really eclectic. Uh, and you know, hearing what you guys were doing, it was a really breath of, of fresh air. It just felt really different from a lot of the stuff that was was going on collectively. Because, I mean, you know how it is. It's there's. I feel like, at least from an underground standpoint, so much is like everyone's trying to one up each other in terms of who who can tune lower, who can play faster, who can be the most pissed. Like in in, in many ways, I think. One of the failures in in heavy music is collectively is sometimes to display a, a a diverse set of emotions, which what music is kind of what music is a reflection of emotions. But if your one emotion is I'm pissed all the time, that's great, right? But you know, I want I, want, I like a little diversity myself. But um, but no, it was a it was a breath of a fresh year here hearing what you guys are doing, even though you were doing it for several years before that i was late to the party so well thank you man yeah um i mean the the whole thing started off it i didn't even know it was going to be a band or anything like that it just started as a solo project the first few releases was just me um so i think it it kind of our growth our, our initial growth period has been quite a bit different than most bands most bands you get together you're a band you're like three or four or five, whatever guys, and you write songs and then you get good at playing the songs and then you play live and then you make a record. And, and that's sort of like a natural, uh, initial phase of a band. Whereas with spirit adrift, it was kind of the opposite. Like I wrote the songs, recorded the songs, put records out, and then it became a band and, so I think the that initial growth period has maybe taken a little bit longer than it would normally. Although, you know, our our first show was 2017. Mm. Um, so I, I'm like pretty satisfied with with the progression uh of the band and the 
the rate at which we're kind of climbing the ladder. Um, as far as like what's going on now in the underground, you're right. Like there, there is this kind of arms race of like who can be heavier, more brutal and, you know, reaches a certain point that, it, that it's like a point of diminishing returns is, are you writing good songs or are you just, you know, trying to like be a meme or something? <laughs> um, and, and there's, I think it all also kind of ties into this like uh, 90s nostalgia that's going on. You know, the, the old school death metal revival is like in full force and there's a ton of good stuff coming out of that ton of good stuff. But there's also just a ton of stuff that sort of sounds the same. I mean, like how many adjectives can you cram into a song title or an album title that are like rotting or, or whatever, just gross shit. You know, it's like at a certain point, it's like the, the grossness kind of ceases to be gross when there's so much of it. It just doesn't really have that much of an impact, but um, I don't know, man. Like, like I said, I, when I started writing these songs, I didn't know that anyone was ever going to hear them. I didn't know that they would ever be played live. I didn't know anybody would care. And I wasn't even thinking about that way. I, I just wanted to write stuff that I like. And I think everything that I grew up with, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma, listening to country at parties, uh, listening to classic rock coming out of Tulsa. So like blue oyster cult and, zeppelin and pink floyd and sabbath and tom petty and zz top and and then i got into metal via uh, black sabbath and metallica and slayer and it just kept progressively getting heavier and heavier i discovered bands like death and uh but even those bands like even a band like death it, there's hooks there's memorable song structure there's melody there's a progressive element to it I think all that stuff that I grew up with just filtered into the spirit of drift sound. And, you know, there's a reason that people, people latch on to like certain things that are going on in music because it, uh, it might make it easier for you to jump right into good tour cycles or, you know, there's like a built-in fan base already, but I just don't give a shit, man. I, I, I just want to make the music that, that I like to make and that's it. And it's paying off, you know, it's been a, it's been a grind, but it's paying off. So for those who don't know, you're an X-Man as well of a band called Gate Creeper, who, uh, you know, has made a name for itself and underground and, and people seem to really d dig that band. What was your, you were just a guitar player in that band, correct? Yeah, that's right. I, I wrote a few parts here and there for a few songs, but pretty much just played guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And what was, uh, I mean, was that your first kind of experience with a quote unquote real band or a band that was kind of out there doing, doing the thing? Not really, man. Um, I mean, I, that's probably the first, well, not yet. I, I was going to say the first band that really got some recognition, but I don't even know if that's true. Um, Meaning you were doing some stuff before that. Oh yeah. 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 I think gate creeper was the, like only counting bands that put out recordings um, like physically yeah. or toured or played shows. Uh, I think that was like the 25th band that I've been in or something <laughs> like that. But yeah, first band that got like national and international, like serious recognition. I was in a band before that called Takeover and Destroy um, that got some recognition, you know, got signed to Prosthetic. 
um, toured with some cool bands uh, from out of the country and played South by and shit like that. Um, and even before that, when I lived in Arkansas, I was in quite a few bands that toured and did that whole sort of thing. But yeah, I think, I think gate creeper was probably the first band that, that really kind of got on people's radars, you know, what was your, your mindset back then? Was, was there a goal in mind of, I want this to be my life. I want to, you know, I want, you know, when you're in great gate creeper, like, let's make this the biggest heavy band around what, you know, or was it just very experimental? Like, all right, I'm just going to go down this path and see where it leads. Man, I made the, I'm going to do this with my life decision when I was like 13. Mm. Um, I wanted to drop out of high school and just start touring. Luckily my folks like refused to let that happen. Um, so that does that lifer decision or whatever that was made at 13 years old and i've questioned it a few times you know i've i've tried other things that were adjacent to playing music and touring like uh i went to recording school and i was like helping a dude build a recording studio in malibu fucking hated it i did um corporate av so like doing shows in a hilton resort and that was more money than I've ever seen in my life. Just pouring it. I couldn't even, and this was when I was really drinking and going hard and spending money. And I couldn't even spend all that money, dude. And <laughs> despite having all that money and all that security, I, I just, I was just totally miserable, man. So uh, I couldn't quit this if I wanted to. I've tested mm -hmm. that and I, I've, I found the answer, which is like, I don't have a choice. I, I have to, I have to be making music and playing music, touring and, and doing that. Um, but yeah, the mentality with gate creeper chase, chase and I have the same thing, which is like, if we're going to do something, we want to be the best that we can possibly be at it we want to do the best job that we can and it's not comparing ourselves to other people other bands it's just i want to do this the best that i can period you know and let's see i recorded the all of this shit was happening at the same time too man i was in that band takeover and destroy um i got sober in 2015 which was like a big life change um and i recorded the first spirit of drift ep probably got sober in march 2015 recorded that first ep in may of 2015 got asked to join gate creeper right after that asked chase to join spirit of drift if it ever did become a band he said yeah of course um and then like played my first show with gate creeper in October of that year and recorded the first spirit of Drift full length in October of that year. And then it all just started happening at the same time. Like it was literally all happening within like days of each other. You know, it was a yeah. crazy period. And since then, dude, it was like gate creeper tour, spirit of drift tour, gate creeper recording, spirit of drift recording, back and forth and back and forth like from 2015 up until 2019 when we split the bands up it was like non-stop it was badass it was a lot of hard work <laughs> and it was crazy and you know i'm married and uh 
I'm an animal lover. We had dogs throughout the whole thing and been away from them. And you know that that's like a, a sacrifice that we all sign up for. Um, but it was badass, dude. It, you know, past couple of years have been tough not having that, at least a little bit of that chaos. You know, I think I yeah. thrive on it. Oh, I, I, I know. My, 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 my 2019 alone was... When I look back, it's like, damn, I did all that one year. Yeah, exactly. It's, you make it happen in the moment, but in retrospect, you're like, wait a minute. I look at 2017 for me, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, how the fuck did all of that happen? Like, how were we even physically there? All that shit. But in the moment, it's just cool. You just do it, you know? Well, I mean, I think ultimately if you're doing something – you're passionate about and it's what you want to be doing then it's like you know that's that's the that's the kind of hard work you you want to be in, involved in it's like so can i it, do you mind if i ask about uh what motivated to get you sober sure yeah i have no problem talking about that um yeah i mean right about the time i was getting into metal i you know black sabbath was my first man and i got into pantera at some point and I just noticed that all these dudes, like especially the Pantera home videos, I was like, these guys are fucking crazy. Like that looks really cool. And, uh, you know, partying and getting fucked up and rock and roll and metal and stuff, it all goes hand in hand. And it, it did uh, for me, for sure, uh, starting from an early age. But then at a certain point, it's like, uh, one one of those things starts to detract from the other thing you know mm. i i love music that's what i really love and when the partying started to detract from the music and when the partying got me in a place where i was like physically on the verge of death and mm. mentally just completely like i was to the point of actual like insanity like hallucinating shit paranoia i would put on my favorite records and feel nothing just feel nothing i remember putting on sabotage by black sabbath which is like my all-time favorite album since i was probably like 15 put it on and just felt nothing dude nothing i knew that something was wrong and i, I knew even before that that i was like overdoing it you know what i mean i just felt like shit all the time just constantly trying to like put something in my body just to get through the day, just feel normal. Um, my songwriting was suffering. I wasn't writing shit. I couldn't even barely play the guitar. Uh, that band I was in at the time, I'll go to practice and I like couldn't even remember my own shit. Couldn't mm. barely get through like a single song. Couldn't remember anything. Um, yeah, I just, I was going to die. That's it, man. Pretty much like, all that shit just stopped working for me. It stopped like, you know, when I, when I first started getting fucked up, it's cause it felt good. It felt really good. It made me like not give a shit about anything. And I've, it was just fun. It was fun for a really long time. And then it just flipped on me and, uh, it just quit working and it was going to kill me. So it, it was really just a, a practical decision and a pragmatic decision and, and a life or death decision that I've, I just had to stop, you know. Was it completely like an internal process or something you came to, or was it like your wife 
kind of involved or family or friends coming to you like saying, hey, Nate, you, you know, you should maybe get your shit together? Well, of course, that people were concerned. My wife like was was seeing the worst of it and uh, bearing the brunt of like the the worst of my emotional states and, and shitty fucking thinking and behavior and all that. But, you know, I think, I think that it has to come from within like any court mandated shit doesn't stick any ultimatums from a wife or a band or anything like that doesn't stick. Uh, Addiction is just too fucking powerful. It's Mm. too powerful. Like it, you have to completely, I I don't really know how to explain it, man. I did have a a dear friend of mine in Arkansas. I, I went for my 27th birthday. I went, um, back to Arkansas and, spent a few days with my old running buddy there and we used to fucking we lived in Fayetteville Arkansas and we drank for free at half of the places in that town we you know we played in bands together and stuff we went hard dude it was like running and gunning 24 hours a day just doing dirt fucking craziness and I went and visited that guy like I said right before my 27th birthday and when he was like dude you got to do something like you're going to fucking die. Mm. I, that, that did have an impact on me because I knew things had to be really bad for him. Just because we were fucking, we went hard together. That was like our thing, you know? And I never thought I would hear him be like, yo, you got to stop or you're going to fucking die. Um, and when I got back from that trip, yeah, I told my wife, as soon as I got in the car, like I'm fucking, I got to do something. I got to do something. And so I did, I went to detox three, four days and got the shit out of my system, almost died in detox. Um, wow. And I, yeah, I haven't had a drop of alcohol since then, man, fucking six years ago. So I'm, I imagine the, the change was, was fairly dramatic, right? Night, night and day. Dude, it's, I can't even put it into words. It's like that, I, I, w- I had alcohol in me 24-7. Like, by the end, I was waking up every hour on the hour, and I had to take a shot of wild turkey so I could go back to sleep. Like, that's the point it got. So this this was a constant in my life since fucking yeah. 13. I wasn't a daily drinker at 13. I probably became a daily drinker, like, around 18, you know? So 10 years of, of drinking pretty much every day, um, you just can't picture how your life is even going to be without it. Like, am I going to be the same person? Am I going to turn into a fucking lame ass nerd? That's not cool anymore. Like, <laughs> Am I going to be able to like write riffs? Am I going to move whatever? Yeah. But then eventually I'm like, dude, you're a lame ass motherfucker right now. Like you suck <laughs> you know riffs right now. You fucking don't have anything cool going on. Like you have nothing to contribute. So I was like, man, what's the worst that can happen? Like, I can't, I can't be more of a fucking loser than I am right now. So, and, but what I realized was, I mean, it was, it was fucking intense at first, man. Like, it's just, you, you start to remember what it's like to feel emotion and feel like sensations and feelings and everything. Um, and I think that's probably like why I was just furiously writing music 
and just there was so much music coming out just to like keep me sane man that's what's that's what's always kept me sane and uh this episode is brought to you by paramount plus Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a side of live music, and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Yeah, what I realized was all that shit had like all that trying to escape reality and stuff, I had lost everything that was actually cool about my personality that I like. And mm-hmm. all the shit that I hate had completely taken over. All my like shitty character defects and stuff like that. And so when I when I got sober, it's like I started to rediscover the stuff about me that I actually liked, like being able to write cool music and and all of that. It, it I, I had been cut off from like my true self, I guess, for a lack of a better description. Wow. No, it's, listen, it's a, you know, doing this show for as long as I've done it and you, and also just being around bands that get into that late 30s and 40s and you see that it just, the longer you want to have the ability to survive in this industry, it's just, it seems like it's just so common that a lot of people make that decision because if, if it becomes too big of a detractor from being able to do it, you know, you have some people who just, they don't make it right. They get involved in other harder stuff or whatever people die or they screw up and they get kicked out of their band or whatever. So it's, you know, the, the longer I do it, it's, it's kind of interesting and also telling and kind of like, okay, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty common. If, if you want to have a career in this, that, that sometimes the two just can't last. Right. You know? and, and there's different people, man. Like if, like if drinking whiskey and doing all that shit had, had never stopped working for me, I wouldn't have stopped doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's some people that they can do that. Like, I mean, even a guy like Lemmy, Nobody can say that what he was doing every day was like healthy, but he lived to be like pretty old. You know what I mean? Like it worked for him seemingly. Um, And some people know how to do this shit in moderation and that's fine too. Like I, I didn't do it to be, uh, it had nothing to do with any sort of morality judgment or wanting to be like holier than thou. It was just simply a matter of, like you say, just survival man and and that's it i just didn't 
I didn't want to die that way. I'm not necessarily afraid of dying, but uh, the the version of dying that happens to you when you're drinking a liter of wild turkey every day is fucking ugly. Like it's not cool. There's nothing glamorous about it at all. It, it yeah. I would rather die like driving a race car off a cliff, like with a bomb on it or something. That's cool. But like <laughs> dying from fucking like cirrhosis of the liver is not fun. Trust me. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I concur with, 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 with that notion. Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about just the formation of the spirit of drift conceptually. Uh, you know, were you someone who always knew you had the ability to kind of formulate a musical project top to bottom on your own before you did it? Yeah, the only aspect of it that I, I was a little uh reticent about was the drums actually um yeah so in the beginning i i thought i might have somebody come in and record drums but part of the reason i i approached spirit adrift as kind of like an insular one-man thing was because of i had i had experienced so much frustration playing with other people I, I've never historically been good at like working with others, like any sort of group project or anything like that in school and shit. Awful. I, I just have an awful time compromising and stuff like that. And there's been a few exceptions. I've been in a few bands where it, it worked out really well that way. But at the point that I started Spirit of Drift, yeah, I was just kind of frustrated. I just wanted to do stuff my way for a change. Um, and I knew that I could handle the guitar and the bass um, vocals. I wasn't super confident at the time and drums. I, I just, I wasn't sure I had played drums a little bit um, when I was about 16, 17. Uh, it's weird. I, I had uh, already stopped going to church. I didn't believe really in Christianity by the time I was that age. Uh, but I met this, <laughs> I met this youth pastor guy in my, my town of Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And he looked like Bono. He had like a total Bono thing going on. And he so was like a cool the, guy. He was the a really sexiest cool. youth pastor in, in all the land. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was cool, man. And somehow he kind of like, he, he was putting together like a youth band and needed a drummer. And I hadn't really played drums, but he was like, I'll make you a deal, dude. There, there's a drum set in the basement of the church and I'll give you a key. I'm already listening to like morbid angel and shit at this point. I like have no interest in Christianity or anything goofy like that, but you know, I'm in a small town in Oklahoma. And so options for, for playing music are kind of limited. Right. So he gave me a key to the church and there was a drum kit set up in the basement and I would go like whenever I wanted after hours, there'd be nobody there. Go up in this church, go in the basement. There's a drum kit. I would put on like uh, reinventing the steel and play like <laughs> yesterday don't mean shit on this church drum kit in the church basement, <laughs> like learn Pantera songs and uh, whatever attempt Slayer, but, but, but completely without instruction, just all on your own. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Just listening. And, and really that's how I learned how to play guitar was just listening to like ride the lightning and trying to figure out what they're playing or that sort of thing. Um, I did take guitar lessons at one point, but it was mainly just 
learning riffs by ear off of records that I liked. And so, you know, fast forward, I'm, I'm writing these spirit of drift songs and I was going to get somebody to play drums, but then I just asked the drummer uh, in my band at the time, Hey man, would you mind if I, you know, started going to the space when we're not using it and just like fooling around on your drum kit, trying to get my chops back up. And he was like, sure. So I did that and I got good enough to, to do it. So, yeah, I mean, by the time I went in the studio, I felt super solid that I could handle it all on my own and it, it worked out. I'm no, I still don't really consider myself an actual drummer. I just, I was like playing drums eight hours a day, every day leading up to like recording just so I could get good enough. You know what, when you track it, do you play to like a scratch guitar? Or do you do like some bands? Like we do drums last on the, on the bad wolves albums wow. and stuff. Cause we, cause everything starts with program drums. And so we record to that. And then after the re everything's done, all the guitars, everything, then they do, we go and do the real drums. Okay, at a nice studio. Yeah, our, our <laughs> which process... is I never experienced that till this band. Oh right? yeah, that's that's really unique. Um, our process has changed over the years. In the early days, I was using Pro Tools, and uh, I would demo all the guitar and bass in Pro Tools, and do the vocals just to hear what they sounded like, make sure it was all good. Uh, and then when I went in the studio, that's what I would play to is the guitars and bass that I had demoed. So I'm not even sure if I used a click. I probably did here and there for coming in and stuff, but I, I was just playing, yeah, to the guitars. Gotcha. So I would do drums first and then guitars, bass, vocals. And uh, now it's now that I have an actual drummer who knows what he's doing. I write the stuff at home, demo it, program the drums, like you're saying. Uh, and then I send him the stuff and then he learns it. And in the studio, we start with drums. Yeah. He's just listening to the, the demos. And then we do the same thing, drums, guitar, bass, vocals. Yeah. Well, listen, I, you're, you're one of those people. I, you know, I just have a lot of admiration for just the, the kind of, you know, the, like you know Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder and Prince these in Lenny Kravitz these guys I can kind of do the whole thing like oh man like you I'm can't, the, I'm no, the don't compare me to those guys bro I well, appreciate I'm just it. saying but you <laughs> did it you did it though I mean you listen to the you know like the first uh Lenny Kravitz album and it's like he's just basically doing like Ringo fills and it's you know it's nothing crazy right but sure. but Stevie Wonder though as a drummer I mean oh he's that, great that's ridiculous yeah yeah, drumming, dude. I just tried to model myself after uh, Jimmy Bauer, mainly, um, on that early stuff. He, I even lifted a couple little fills from him. Uh, but, he, you know, I, I met Jimmy when I was really young, and I was fortunate enough to see him play some shows on guitar. And I was like, damn, he's that groove is badass. And then see him play some shows on drums. You kind of look like a really young the, <laughs> okay. the hair the, the yeah. beard you could, you could be you could be his cousin yeah we might be who knows i, I call him uncle jimmy dude uh, he was he was super instrumental in um in my musical life man i i met him like in my formative years and just i was fortunate enough to just like i said just observe and, and learn from him he turned me on to so much cool stuff too like that man free that paul rogers was in um 
just all like Jimmy is really into like seventies rock and, and old country and stuff. But like, he turned me on to so much good, like slightly more obscure, like seventies hard rock bands, like proto metal bands. And those dudes could play and they were all like real traditional musicians. And I think Jimmy is kind of trying to carry that tradition forward. Plus he's got that new Orleans groove and stuff. Um, so I was, I was fortunate to learn from that guy. And then also like the Arkansas dudes, uh, Jeff Morgan from that band wake their relapse records band, R W A K E Mm -hmm. that dude, he writes all the riffs and they're insane. It's like progressive, crazy, uh, powerful stuff. Uh, but then in the band, he plays drums and he's like, I think people that do that have a, really inherent understanding of the parts of the song. So like Jeff from wake, he writes the guitar parts and then he knows exactly what to play on drums. That is like the perfect companion for that riff for like the accents of the riff and the feel of the riff. Um, my friend Chuck from this band dead bird in Arkansas, same deal, great guitar player, but probably even a better drummer. And like TJ from Inner Arma, he writes a whole bunch of their riffs, and but he's like one of the, I think TJ is one of the greatest drummers ever. But he's also like even better than me at guitar. He's like the best guitar player in Inter Arma, but he's the fucking drummer. It's not even fair. <laughs> so yeah, I just I look at those guys and I get so much inspiration, you know. Well, you know when I when I listen to the band, it feels so throwback right like um the new ep uh that just came out forge your future uh like you, you, you listen, even sonically like the way the tones are like i was like oh i feel like i'm listening to a maiden record right um by the way you know what's so funny about that first song the ep is it's you gotta listen do you know the the post malone song hollywood is bleeding I don't. I haven't heard that. <laughs> the chord progression similar. You can... Really? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, I mean, the post Malone song is like a billion streams. Like it's yeah. fucking huge. But it's interesting. It's it's so funny. I mean, it's a common. It's literally just like a a general like chord progression. Sure. Or yeah. Some somebody said nothing else matters, which I can hear. But to me, it's Snowblind. Like that was oh. the number one thing. That Listen, man. There's it's... only so many chord progressions. Oh yeah. Right? But dude, post Malone is. He has a real musician's mind for sure. He's amazing. I, I, I like that him. guy a lot. Yeah, but uh, so it's it's interesting. Like you know, so we're talking about Ghost, right? These bands that are modern bands, but feel of a of a certain era. Um, like like how do you? I always wonder when you because like I said, we have these things that go in cycles, right? Whether it's the '90s death metal thing that's coming back around, or even you know, a band like Power Trip bringing back kind of that Sepultura, you know, arise, thrash kind of thing, that things kind of go in these these cycles. I mean, how do you think, because actually, let me, let me rephrase it this way. When I listen to the band, it sounds, I hear the Maiden and I hear the Dio and I hear all these like, the artists that are the reference to me or like huge bands like really big stuff so, like i don't hear what you're doing it goes oh yeah these guys should be playing the pub down the street like i picture like you know like castles on stage and <laughs> dragons and no like like you know is 
that part of the ambition to eventually, because I think with the scene that you're a part of is seems to be a bit more insular and kind of, um, you know, it has this kind of elite, uh, you know, critical component. And it's very like, it feels very insidery. Whereas like, I, I do think the band has this thing where it's like, hey, maybe it could be this bigger thing that reaches this kind of broader audience. Yeah, there's there's a few things to address in, in all of that. Um, as far as the sound and the style, it's like, again, it's just making making music that I like, but there's a lot of retro metal bands right now. Yeah. But I don't like that. That's that's not exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm I'm trying to be a current band uh because we are a current band. We exist in the year 2020 whatever year it is. I forgot what year it was yesterday. Was <laughs> hey, um, it's weird. Listen, this is that don't feel bad. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh but yeah, I mean we are we're a current band. Like I want to be relevant and and I think we are relevant. And we're not intentionally, there is no intention of being uh, nostalgic or throwback because all my favorite stuff came out before I was born. So that wouldn't even make sense to be, oh, I remember when Maiden put out uh, Killers. It's like, no, I wasn't even born. I remember when I heard that record when I was yeah. 14 or whatever. So, you know, I, I'm just still trying to be a teenager. I'm playing the music yeah. that I that like got me into metal and I think maybe the reason that uh, the band could have like a widespread appeal is because that's most of most people that get into metal get into it through bands like that. The same bands that got me into it, Sabbath, Metallica, Maiden, Priest, like that's the shit that no other band has made me feel as excited as those bands when I was a teenager. And so that's, that's what I'm carrying forward. Um, as far as like, having lofty aspirations of like success or whatever. Uh, this kind of ties into what I was talking about earlier. I have come to the conclusion, partly through trial and error of trying to do other stuff with my life and it not bringing me any sort of joy or satisfaction. I'm stuck with this shit, dude. Like I am stuck playing metal and maybe someday I'll play other styles of music. I love old country and grew up playing it and listening to it. So maybe I'll do that someday too, but I don't think I'll ever stop playing metal for as long as I'm alive. So if I'm going to do it, uh, it would be cool to like make a living doing it. That's not crucial. If I don't make a living, I'm not going to stop. I, nothing will be different than the past whatever fucking almost 20 years that I've been playing it, you know? Are you making a living from music now? Or are you doing, do you have other jobs? Yeah, I mean, it depends on how you define making a living. You know, we live in a, a kind of rural area in Texas. We're about 30 minutes outside of Austin. So cost of living isn't that bad. Um, would I be able to live like on a Venice beach or something like that with, with the income that I have from music, probably not. But, you know, I haven't had a go clock in type of job for a few years now. Um, and it's interesting what we can do when it's necessary. Yeah. Like that line that you cross where you're like, Oh, I don't know if I'm making enough with the music thing to like, just quit working 
but then when you do, it's fascinating to see it just work. Like it, yeah. we just make it, we just make it <laughs> yeah. work, you know? So I'm in that, I mean, dude, if COVID hadn't happened, we'd be doing fine. We'd be yeah. doing fine. Um, well, no, well, well, that's kind of like said the point that, you know, I guess around this time that being a COVID or the middle of it, you know, like you guys got the cover of uh, the decibel. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it just seemed like there was this groundswell, at least within the media where you where the band seemed to be kind of being anointed as like, all right, this this thing is legit. The last record made like all these top album lists and 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 things like that. But it was this weird time where it wasn't like, okay, here's this record. All these people seem to love it. And you couldn't like go on a tour and see if that if that correlated to the the, the real people. And, and it, so like it made me think of this thing, like the difference between like uh hype or being like a critical darling and like, you know, are the are the people there is the band taking off because the, the feel is like, yo, this it's kind of going for this band. Um, like, do you guys even have tours lined up? There was like the plan to kind of go and see how how all that fanfare has translated into the real world. Yeah, um, we have three shows lined up in October, um, but that's it. You know, I was yeah. talking to our booking agent today. Actually, we're kind of getting a list together, and we're gonna start we're gonna start hitting people up, seeing what the vibe is like. I guess the Delta variant is affecting uh ticket sales so Mm. it's it's just tricky it's tricky right now um i will say dude the last u.s tour we did which was even before uh enlightened eternity i was shocked i I was shocked you know i did think especially the early days of the band you're talking about critical darling versus like people coming and watching you and buying your shit those don't always equate you know And in fact, sometimes it's the inverse where you have bands that are the critics hate and every you know show is sold out. Right. Million like Black Sabbath in the early days. Rolling Stone was just panning them. Every All the critics hated them until they were like putting out number one records and shit. Yeah. Um, I would always rather be that kind of band that critics are like, yo, this fucking sucks. But everyone else is like, loves it and comes to your show. So shows. you're saying if that second guitar player spot in Nickelback opens up, you're going to give them a rest. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. Well, I'll tell you, I would. And I, 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 and the, maybe, you know, maybe I'll do a tour and see see if they're cool. Um, dude, they're they're sick as fuck live. They crush okay. it. They're, they well, sound flawless. I'll keep right? it in the back of my mind, man. Killing um, the game, all right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, we're, we're like, in the early days, it was definitely like critic love, critic love, critic, everybody talking about how great it is and shit. And it wasn't super translating. Um, But every show we've played, like early on, we were just doing one-offs and stuff and they were pretty good. Uh, But every show we played, every tour we do, everything we put out is more successful than the previous effort. Uh, Like in every measurable degree, like more higher attendance, more money, which is, let's be honest, a measure of how successful your tour yeah. is. Um, and then by the time we were doing that Divided by Darkness tour, you know, the middle of the country was a little hit or miss on that tour, which it can be for anybody. But the coasts and like the, the A markets, Chicago and stuff like that, 
I was blown away, man. I, I was really blown away at the attendance and the response and everything. Um, and then we went to Europe for the first time and that was solid. And we had- Is this all like headline stuff or are you supporting other bands? Yeah, we've only ever really done headlining tours in the United States, believe it or not. Our, our first ever tour was with Paul Bear uh, and we played like Decibel Metal Fest and stuff. Um, and I got salmonella poisoning and broke my foot on like the second day. <laughs> that sounds like a party. Yeah, Jesus. finished the tour uh, with a broken foot. But other than that, it's been all headlining. Europe was co-headlining. Um, and then while we were on that European tour, we confirmed a tour with Corrosion of Conformity, which was going to be like our first bus tour, you know, yeah. a, a significant step up. Um, and then COVID happened and that tour yeah. got pushed a year and then it got canceled two years. It got canceled. Um, but we're still talking to them. We're, we're talking to COC and we're definitely going to tour with them at some point and, uh, just keep, like I said, every time we do something, it, it's a little bit more successful than the previous thing. And I'm looking at like Spotify numbers and that sort of thing right now. And we're fucking the CP's crushing it for us, man. Yeah. It's, it's doing well, listen, great. I, I just, th I think you guys can, like, I like I think you're at that point where it's the perfect time to get a Mastodon tour, get a Ghost tour. Like, you would fit in great with bands like that. Or even, you know, even if you got a, a, a tour with, like, um, Greta Van Fleet or something like that, I think you guys would kill it on yeah, that. Yeah, why not? I was arenas. even looking at that Dead Daisies band, dude. I, I was like, yeah. I, we get on these uh, Spotify, like, new metal playlists or whatever. And Zeus, who you had on, who uh, yeah. mixed and mastered our EP, bad motherfucker. We oh, were... I didn't know. I didn't know that he did that. Oh yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, talking about the sonics of it, dude. Like, I'd never worked with Zeus before, but I, I've always really wanted to, and I feel like he was kind of a unexpected choice for our type of band. Like everybody works with Kurt Ballou or like Arthur Rizik. Um, and I love those dudes and we've worked with Arthur before and probably will again, but I just thought Zeus, like his stuff sounds great. All of it. He does a yeah. wide variety of, of stuff. It all sounds different. There's no, like, here's the Zeus sound. He makes every band sound great. Yes. Doing their thing. Exactly. And, and, you know, I was big on that crowbar record that he did, uh, sever the wicked hand, which I think was like a sober getting sober record. It seems like. Mm. Um, and I love it. I love the vibe of that record and the sound and everything. So I just kind of made up my mind we were going to do this EP with them. And when I called them up, the first thing we talked about was Martin Birch. I mean, instantaneously, we were like talking about the old Martin Birch, like Maiden albums, Mob Rules, like Heaven and Hell, all that stuff. And I just knew that that was our guy. I just knew it. Um, anyway, yeah. Sorry, I got off on a tangent there. No, so, no, no. He and I were talking the other day. We were going through like uh, Spotify new metal tracks or whatever. And uh, I had never heard that Dead Daisies band, but they were like the only band on there that I heard like a an actual like, guitar fucking riff that I liked. So I don't, I don't know anything about that band, but you talk about like Greta Van Fleet. There's that whole world of like bands like that and uh, what Rival Sons and yeah, really good band. Like hard rock bands. I love that yeah. shit. I love it. Blackstone Cherry. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm saying they, they've been discussed a few times, and Zeus Who's works that? with them. 
Oh, Queensryche? Yeah, yeah, dude, I toured with Queensryche. It was, it was, it was great. Um, but no, but just listening to what you guys do, you know, and I'm, I'm the kind, kind of person, I, when I see talented artists that have that potential to like really get out there, because the truth is, there's so much great stuff out there, but everything just doesn't get exposed, right? Right? Like, so people, if they don't, if they don't hear you, they don't see you. Then they, you know, not everyone is is Mister. Uh, I'm going to be on Spotify all day looking for new artists. Not everyone is, is, you know. So, you know, that's it's just something I definitely see a lot of potential. And I don't, I don't want, you know, because you know the certain scenes are like I said, they're very, they can be insular and they can be very like, we're the cool kids and we're going to keep our our little bands cool and they're just for us kind of thing you know um, i don't like that shit man yeah i don't know most people that act like they're cool it's because they're not it's like a defense mechanism you know yeah I've, the two coolest people i've ever met are billy gibbons and john carpenter and neither one of them acted like they were cooler than me because they <laughs> are they are cooler than me they know they're cooler than me they didn't have to so i just i got yeah. i've never had any interest in that shit i i want to play music that reaches as many people that need to hear it as possible. Yeah, but I'm I'm telling you, I'm gonna give you one little like this is just a suggestion on just just for me like like if I was like if I could be a little bit of pup master is live. I want you guys. So I watched some like live footage you guys playing um, St. Vitus or something. It sounded great. Ugh. And uh, but I was a, like, that's a bored mix, dude. I can't even listen to that, dude. Shit. But it's but, uh, but no, I'm saying, but the band was tight and it was like because you know it's you just want you just want to see, but. But like I feel like this when you listen to the music, it feels like just like there should be like eagles soaring and like it just it just feels very epic. And I just like I think you guys would benefit from visually just being a little having a little more bravado, dressing a little more like you know like like you feel like you're in a time machine and you're seeing something that's like a band that's feeling itself a little bit visually, you know, props. Thing, banners, just just stuff to like really, because I like, I would say like like uh, Lamb of God. The I think the big reason why they're they got as big as they got is when you heard Lamb of God, and then when you saw them, they were the visual embodiment of how they sounded, right. and it was completely congruent. And that's and and as bet you want bands, Hatebreed, same thing, right? You hear that and when you see them, and it's like every dude's got like neck tattoos and you know and they look like they'll throw you through like a plate glass window or something it conjoins with the sound and and all and the bands that that do the best can kind of it's it's very fluid and it's everything's succinct and you guys have a very epic sound so i think you got to have like i said there's that underground thing of like yeah we're just you know jeans t-shirt and like no sometimes you got to be that you got to show up with the fucking boa and fucking, you know what I'm saying, with the with the the <laughs> vest with your chest hair hanging out. You know I what I'm saying? I can't do that, man. I'm telling I, you. Oh, I'll, I'll not, hang a banner. Not, we got a banner well, now. I'll, okay. I'll hang I'm, a banner. I'm not saying get a boa. What I'm saying <laughs> is the people that have the balls to, to have. Like, you ever see that band, The Struts? No. Dude, they're badass. Like, they basically, it's like a hard rock queen kind of vibe. And the singer is just like, he's wearing like a red jumpsuit and like, you know, just it's, you know, you feel like you, you stepped into a, a time machine. They really own it. And so when you see them, there's like, and he's a complete showman. Like he's just one of those guys. He's got it. But the whole band, you're just like, they're owning 
the bigness of it and the bravado and that thing that back in the 70s it was just very common right if you go see uh oh yeah you know um well, I forget his name. The uh, piano player sings. Uh, um, made the movie about him. Uh, Elton John. Elton John, right? Like, like, well, like the Leonard Skinner. Those guys look cool. Exactly. You know, I'll be fine they're, looking they're, like Leonard Skinner, but they kind of just wore. I don't know. They wore some kind of fancy shit. But I, dude, no, I just but like it, all no. black. I like all yeah. black. If Metallica can wear all black on stage, be the biggest band in the world, you know. Right, listen, I hear you. I'm just listen. It's a little. <laughs> nugget i'm not saying i'm right you know i'm i'm right i'm wrong about things all the time i'm just like just just it's my little thing like man i think if they add a little more stuff it would just it would it would conjoin it's like if if ghost right like you saw a ghost right with that first album and like they kind of just looked like the dudes in opeth or something you'd be like they'd still be big right they'd still be successful but that element of it has them go from like being a theater band to like an arena band like that right the thing the kiss thing or, or or whatever and and that could go for a million bands but what i'm saying is you guys have the sound to pull it off sure that's all i'm saying well, like here, not every band i'm has not opposed to pyro yeah there we go and like banners and visuals and smoke maybe some good old smoke that's what we need like the stuff that shoots up from the you know I, we, we could do that it's got to be simple though because the right. thing is like Dude, so many bands nowadays wear fucking costumes. So many. They're, they're, they're coming back. They're so coming back. many. Like Imperial Triumphant. Yeah. Yeah. And like you look at any like what the hot articles are on the PRP or who's on covers of magazines and this and that. Like a lot of motherfuckers are wearing costumes. And some costumes are even a little more uh low key. They're just dressing. It's like, motherfucker, I know you don't. I know you don't dress like that. Now it's That's one thing right. to it's entertainment, baby. It's the entertainment right, business. Right. But like, okay, Mastodon, they look cool on stage, but they look pretty pretty normal, right? They don't look what, what are you are you kidding me? What? Fucking what's the name by the way, I'm I'm a little I'm, I'm not my my, my the you sharpest read Megadeth last Brent, night. Brent, yeah. <laughs> Brent Brent don't look like no normal human being. Well, his clothes. I'm saying he's not wearing yeah, the crazy. No, he, he dressed. No, he dressed like he came out of 1972. Yeah, I, you know, I would do that's that. A look. I would do that. That that then that's it. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm saying is just it's everything. Just kind of turn it up, like you know everything that's normal about you. You just kind of accentuate it a little a little more. Um, to me, that's rock and roll attitude. Rock and roll attitude is wearing the thing that someone else won't do because they can't pull it off. Like there's this there's this great uh uh Hannibal Burris joke about about the f- wearing a fedora that like there's always dudes that think they can pull off the fedora but they really can't it's just an attitude thing so you know as rock stars or or people who are trying to be rock stars sometimes you got to wear the fedora metaphorically speaking metaphorically <laughs> Def- definitely metaphorically speaking <laughs> yeah definitely for what we do I don't think I don't think we're fedora guys nah. um but uh so I, I had a couple quick hit stuff because like i said we had such a great exchange on the last time we were on so and some of this you might have already kind of answered um but you know like i just love that you, how how opinionated you are about certain things in, in metal so i'm just going to ask you a couple like quick quick questions you give me your vibe okay david lee roth era van halen sammy hagar era van halen uh i would probably find myself listening to more 
David Lee Roth era. My my favorite record is uh, Fair Warning. Okay. I feel like it's the heaviest one. Um, I admittedly, like I got the first record when I was really getting into guitar. I love Van Halen, the guitar player. And I love, I love a lot of different things about the band and their approach to playing music and the attitude and everything like that. But I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of Van Halen's songs, if that makes mm. sense. I, I like okay. a lot of their songs a lot, like Mean Streets and uh, Panama, even stuff like that. Uh, Running with the Devil is a great song. But yeah, I don't know. That said, I, I worked a gig in Phoenix for Sammy Hagar, and he was so cool. He was such a nice guy. And I, I've never uh-huh. hung out with David Lee Roth, but hanging out with Sammy Hagar was super cool. And I love Montrose uh sammy's band before van halen so i don't know i i guess the the short answer would be david lee roth era okay okay listen you know what david lee roth would do he'd wear the boa okay (laughs) well hey he got his whole shit from jim dandy from black oak arkansas son okay okay. I'm, i'm learning everything okay misfits or danzig solo oh god that's hard man um Misfits were a real early discovery for me getting into cool music. And my first band ever, we worked up probably 90% of the Danzig era Misfits material and played it at some point. Um, So they were like really, really important. But the first two Danzig records are two of my favorite albums. Um. God, that's picking, hard. Picking a favorite it, child. Huh? <laughs> it's like picking a favorite child. Yeah. Well, because you have like the Misfits do a lot of different stuff too. Like Earth AD is kind of like invented thrash metal sort of deal. I don't know, man. I guess I would pick. I guess I, if I could only like for the rest of my life, I got the Misfits catalog I can listen to or first two Danzig records. I guess I would pick the first two Danzig records, but that's that's hard. Okay. See, you know what? He pops that shirt off, right? Let's that chest hair <laughs> hang. I'm just saying. I'm just drawing some That's stuff. That's a look. Right? Yeah. That, well, dude, yeah. the last tour we did. You're I in good played, shape, right? I'm just saying, pop that shirt off. I played with, with the shirt off hang. all of Europe. A there you go. people got mad at me. No, uh, no. Nah, nah. so, listen, that's how you get them ladies at the show, right? We got we <laughs> gotta have a diverse audience. Sure. Okay. Ozzy or Dio Sabbath? I feel like I already know the answer to this one after what you talking before, but maybe I'm wrong. It's gotta be Ozzy Sabbath. Um I, I wouldn't even give anybody that wasn't Ozzy a chance in Black Sabbath when I was growing mm. up because I just loved I love the Ozzy stuff so much. Um, now I like a lot of different stuff. I like some Tony Martin Sabbath. I really, really love the Dio Sabbath. I think maybe because I wore out the Ozzy stuff so much when I was a kid that I almost find myself listening to Dio Sabbath more often now you're like well, you just yeah that happens like certain movies i've seen so many times i haven't memorized there's almost no point to watching <laughs> yeah i feel you um goodfellas yeah that's one um Dude, i just got it on 4k baby that never gets old for me <laughs> but yeah i get, i would have to say like ozzy sabbath was magical in a way that no other band ever has been and i love dio sabbath but i would have to go for ozzy sabbath can't argue there merciful fate king diamond definitely merciful fate um wow okay the first merciful fate album is my favorite thing that 
King Diamond has ever done, for sure. European metal or American metal? I really got to think about that. Because, <laughs> all right. It's a tough one. <laughs> the UK, like, started it, right? Zeppelin, yeah. Sabbath, Priest, Maiden. But I, but I really think, like, if you're an artist, you know, plays plays metal, writes, like, there has to be one. Because I do think there's a difference between, like, like I know some European, um, you know, bands and like artists who they they just don't like Pantera. They're just like it's like it's so American. They're just like they just don't vibe with it. And you from down south, all right? And you got, I know you got Jimmy Bauer in yeah. your ear, so you know. But you're like, but England. <laughs> well, it's I I don't know if I can pick because like, yeah. the most important bands to me are those first ones, Sabbath. Yeah. Priest, Maiden, right? And even Thin Lizzy. Like, they're super important. Yeah. Um, but, like, thrash metal is one of my biggest influences. So you have Metallica. We win just because of Metallica. America <laughs> wins just because of Metallica. So it's not really a debate. We also have Megadeth, Pantera, Testament. Trouble. I like how you you took a little credit for Metallica just by de facto of being American. I like that. Yeah. Like that. Well, it, okay. We win. America <laughs> wins. But I got to say, it's like, it's equal because then you get into, um, you know, the death metal thing is kind of equal too. Yeah. I mean, to me, it depends on era because it's like in the 90s, I feel like Europe like wins the 90s like easily for me with like Carcass and At The Gates and Meshuggah and all that shit. But that's what I'm talking about. Like we, we had death. We had death and Morbid Angel and Obituary. And cannibal yeah, and they had entombed and dismember and like we had said, Pantera. Nape, Nape, Nape Wait, Nape who was the biggest metal band in the nineties? Pantera. Yeah, true. Definitely. So we had Metallica I mean, being the biggest metal band, and then as soon as they weren't really the biggest like die-hard metal band when they started playing Load and shit, we had Pantera take over. Well, actually, America was you, still winning in the nineties. If you want to keep it real, though, if you actually want to keep it real. Rammstein is probably just as big as Pantera or bigger yeah. at the, around the same time. But they're, I, maybe they're not considered to be like pure metal because they're more like industrial or whatever. But if, if you really, and I was thinking about it, and then in the 2000s, then the next biggest band is Slipknot. And I'm like, is there, was there another European band that got as big as Slipknot? And I'm like, I don't know if there was. Yo, I'm hearing, I'm hearing three American bands in a row. Like yeah. they had Sabbath. And after that, we were like, hold up fucking game over son metallica <laughs> pantera slipknot right <laughs> all right listen i listen I, I think i think america by a by a hair by a nose yeah just um okay so th this and this is like because you're such well I, you know and that, like i said i don't want to project too much but i i i feel that you are tr a traditionalist you know in the in, in the ways of uh, of the stuff and you you care so much about the history do you have any real opinions about like rap metal or new metal? Are you opposed to that? Do you have any affinity for, for that? Or what's your, what's your vibe on new metal? I really don't care. Um, when I was growing up, like, like I've mentioned, I, I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma that was like super conservative, super Christian. And I got into metal just cause I liked it. It, it wasn't like, um, there was a scene and it, there was no like hardcore scene or underground scene or anything. It, it wasn't cool at all. 
right? And I was wearing Sabbath t-shirts to school and Slayer t-shirts, ride the lightning with the dude getting fucking electrocuted. Mm-hmm. And people kind of looked looked at me weird and like there was something wrong with me or something. Um, <laughs> and then when Slipknot came out, all those same motherfuckers are all of a sudden are like wearing Slipknot shirts and they're going to the hot topic in Tulsa, Oklahoma to get like dark sided spooky shit. I'm like, wait a minute. Like this wasn't cool a minute ago. Now it's cool. Like what's going on? So I think early on, I kind of copped a little bit of a resentment for that shit. Mm. Um, and yeah, Too like trendy. me and my buddies were the few friends that I had that were into what I would at the time, you know, in my prepubescent mind, I would call real metal or whatever. We all kind of like were raging against that shit. We, we just, it wasn't us. We, we just resented it. We resented it and we didn't think it was the real deal. Um, but I've grown up since then and, you know, Slipknot specifically, I really like that band now. And I, I ended up seeing them in 2004 at Ozfest, the one you guys were on. Yeah. When I was 16 and it clicked, I watched what they were doing on stage. And I, I think that's, that was a turning point for me when I started to realize that some things are just objectively good, whether you like it or not, because I, at the time I didn't like Slipknot, but I was watching them and I knew in my heart that what they were doing was good. (laughs) Like It's it's undeniable, but I was just blown away, you know? Yeah. Um, well, the, there, a lot of people make the argument that Slipknot really isn't a new metal band, that they're actually that they actually belong more with like, you know, like our group of bands with Killswitch and Azalea Dying and Lamb of God more so than the new metal stuff. And But I, I think they're kind of they ride that line pretty well i i Um, agree with that and i think that what has happened here is that slipknot is the only band that's even close enough to new metal that i care about at all that that's like the only band that i could even talk about like the rest (laughs) of it man you know when i was a kid i really hated it i really hated that kind of shit not necessarily slipknot but new metal and stuff and now i I have not come to appreciate most I've come to appreciate Slipknot a lot. So with the exception of that band who may or may not be new metal, uh, the rest of the stuff, I, I really haven't come to enjoy the music or appreciate the music or really even fully understand why people like it. I kind of understand, but, but just not, I don't totally relate. But that being said, I'm just kind of at a point in my life where I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't really want to focus on stuff that I don't like. I don't like new metal. Um, So I've learned how to like, if there's something I don't like, just simply not care about it. And if other people love it, that's fucking awesome. And like, if Korn wanted to take us out on tour, I would probably do it. Because I don't really care that much. They seem like they're real ass dudes. They're professionals. They've toured. You need to see corn live one at one point because you'll you'll have the same thing experience like seeing Slipknot. Like it's so ridiculous. I like, worked one is. of their shows in Phoenix and I wasn't sold, Doc. I gotta say. Oh. And God's how long ago too? And and Godsmack actually kicked ass. How long ago? Uh 
man, I don't know. It was pot of gold fest, like probably 2017 or something. Okay. Not that long ago. Well then, you know what? Hey, agree to disagree. That's <laughs> corn live. is just like the craziest thing to me. Um, okay. What are your thoughts on metal core? Some of it's really good. I I'm not sure that I'm such a like weirdo out of touch fucker that I I'm not sure <laughs> I fully understand like some of these genres. Like I don't really what know who metalcore is who counts as metalcore. Yeah. Or new metal. Like I, I don't yeah. really know. Um, so, all right. So like metalcore would be parkway drive or, you know, uh, I can think of a million, you know, old architects or something like that. I, I don't know. I've never heard those bands as far as I know. I see. Oh, wow. I would have thought of like, um, like on earth back in the day. Unearth or... is cool. Yeah. I like Unearth. Uh, I bought that oncoming store storm, uh, CD when it came out and saw them at that Ozfest. They yeah. were cool. Uh, where God forbid, is that metalcore kind of, I mean, I feel like we started as metalcore and then like, slowly tried to just be a regular metal band yeah see i like know, that but, i like that shit i like metal. I, and like i thought of black dahlia murder when you said metalcore but I guess yeah well to me black dahlia murder was always just a metal band just death a melodic metal. death a melodic death metal yeah. band that yeah, yeah that i like used I, but here we go of, like i'm all these bands that i'm that i'm picking out as examples of stuff that i do like it, it's yeah. a kind of traditional yeah. meaning metal bands. yeah that's the stuff that that vibes with you all yeah. right i'm just listening i just i love what i love talking about you is you're opinionated about things you you have you know you have interesting things to say about about music and you, and you care a lot and we don't like it you're like yo i don't care about that and i like it you're honest and that's why i wanted to give you give give a little rundown i don't even usually do stuff like that on the show but i was like you know what i, I got to donate a couple couple down the plate and see what he does with it thanks you know doc Dude, it's funny. Out. I I watched. Um, I, I think this rubbed off on me a little bit last night. I you know they got this Jake Paul dude like taking over boxing, the YouTuber guy. Yeah. And I saw this video last night of uh, somebody asking Conor McGregor what he thought of Jake Paul, and uh, Conor's in in L.A. I think or outside of L.A. And he he literally is like he missed the question when they first asked it and they asked it again, and he just good naturedly was like. Look, man, I, I I really don't care. Is that Arnold's car? I guess Arnold Schwarzenegger's car was parked on the street. He just like literally didn't care, and that was a good reminder of like he didn't have to say something mean about him. He didn't have to like insult the guy. He was just like, look, man, I I really don't care. Here's the thing: there's probably a 175 percent chance that Jake Paul and Conor McGregor will fight. So. Maybe. You know, it's just too much money to let, leave on the table. And then here's the thing. Conor McGregor, you don't pay Conor McGregor for the fight. You pay him to talk as much shit as is humanly possible before the fight to hype it. Oh, yeah. So he'll say so he's not going to just talk shit for free. <laughs> you got to pay point. him. That is a you good gotta, point. You wow. got to pay him to start some beef. All right. Yeah. That's 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 you ain't paying him for the fight. You just pay because I mean, he's I feel like he's lost his last like 70, 15 fights I've seen him fucking do. So, yeah, you know, you know, it doesn't even really matter. He's just he's the best hype man in the game. And, and he, he's basically a WWE shit talker. You know, who's past his prime. I mean, we all tune in because we're idiots. Yeah. He's in that like late stage Mike Tyson dark period you know 
well, he was never no Mike Tyson. Let's 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 not put nobody is Mike Tyson, few, man. Exactly. I feel like <laughs> let's we got to keep it real. But listen, brother, I really appreciate you taking your time to uh, be a guest on the show. I know we talked about doing this way back last year, so I'm glad we could finally bring it to fruition. And people should really check out the new EP. It, it, it sounds awesome. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a fan of what you guys do. I can't wait to see you live. And uh, is there anything else people should check out or look forward to? Uh, I can't think anything, man. We got, like I said, three shows in October. Uh, one's in Phoenix. Two are in New York with High on Fire. Um, Ooh. Yeah, just go to our website, spiritadrift.com. Everything's there. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, dude. It's good to talk with you again. Um, I'm a fan of you as well. So I'm glad we thank you, brother. This. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Well, definitely best of luck with everything. And uh I will see you soon. Take care. Okay. Bye, Doc. Bye bye.
so there you have it that was wake up which is a brand new track from spirit adrift's brand new ep entitled forged in the future i'm sorry <laughs> forge your future jesus christ say i wouldn't make it at real radio okay i think i'd be fired almost immediately but i probably have my notes organized i'm doing this off the cuff guys all right jesus Anywho, see, I could re-record that. Not going to do it. I'm going to leave it in there. Warts and all. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nate. I actually listened to that track. I'm like, well, how would I think he'd be King Diamond over Merciful Fate? A lot of Merciful Fate in there. Also a lot of kind of Jake E. Lee era. Ozzy happening there. Love it. Love it. It's a feel-good song. I feel like, um, I don't know, I just picture like, you know, eagles and mountains and leather jackets, you know, it's very triumphant spirit adrift. I, I enjoy it, but I love talking with, with Nate, man. He's like, I don't know, man. I feel like that dude just connected into some frequency I aspire to, which is like a, a frequency of purity of mind and spirit. I'm, 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 I'm jealous of that. You know, uh, you know, people have such clarity of, 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 in a sense of, of who they are. And he's, and you can tell his, um, his knowledge of music is so in depth. Uh, and he cares so much, man. And it, and it, and it really kind of bleeds out when he, when he speaks. And I, I, I love, even if, even if we disagree on something, it's like, I want to be around those people, you know, more than, more than anything. So it's, it was a real pleasure to have, have him on the show. And I hope you guys enjoyed that. What's going on? I'm leaving for a tour in a couple of days, but I can't say what it is. <laughs> but it's a short, it's a short thing. But by the time, actually, no, by the time this is out, it'll probably be public. But I st- I'm still not going to say right now. So, you know, actually, no, no, I'm sorry. By the time this comes out, it won't be public. What am I talking about? Jesus Christ. I tell you guys, I'm losing it. But that's cool. Cool thing happened today. I was able to get the first film director on the X-Men podcast. Yes, I got Mr. David Yarovsky, also known as Yarvo, who directed a little film called Brightburn. I don't know if you've seen that amazing, amazing uh, spin on the Superman tale gone really bad, you know, kind of superhero meets horror movie, really great movie, came out a couple years ago, and he has a new film on Netflix called Night Books, a little more... Uh, family oriented, but still in the horror genre, very ho- kind of Halloween esque, kind of a um, Harry Potter meets Halloween and witches and stuff. I don't know, but anyway, that was very very exciting. I'm I'm really you know I'd like to talk to some different people. I, I get listen, I love the musicians, they're my tribe, but I do get a little bored. Right, your boy gets bored sometimes. I want I want to mix it up. So to talk to a real director, and I and I'm. As you can see, you guys see the shirts I wear. You see the posters in my room. You see all the stuff I post online. I'm a movie junkie. It's my real, it's my refuge, you know, away from the, you know, there's the, just the day-to-day troubles of life. So it's, and, and I, and I just love it. I love the craft. So having that, that ability to sit down with someone who's doing the thing, it was really exciting. So that we have, we have that coming down the pike, uh, and then because I got to take this little trip, it's going to be a week, probably a couple weeks before I actually speak with a guest next. But um, 
that's all right. I have I have a bunch in the can. Like I said, we got Mark Tremonti coming up. We got Gary Holt coming up. We've got some excited. Who, who else do we have? Let me see. Do I have any that I'm I'm like not thinking about? No, I think those are the ones we have we have we have coming up. So we have some great shows coming up. Big time guests. All right, all right. You know your boy's kind of big time. What can I say? What can I say? All right. Is there anything else going on? Do I have any fan mail? Let's see. I'm sorry, listener mail. I don't I don't know if I feel comfortable with the whole the f word. No, we don't have anything. No one, no one. I just, I just have, <laughs> I just have haters. Like I have true hate mail. <laughs> I'm laughing, but but I'm crying inside. <laughs> That's my only feedback. All right, this actually, this one lady. This is this is a good. This is funny. I mean, it was it's not funny. Like it's like it really. It's like daggers in your heart. It really is. But you know. You have to laugh at your pain. That's what I do. So this is like a, that's how it goes. And this lady ended up being kind of nice, but she goes, uh, <laughs> like I posted this thing with Lifeline making of light, Lifeline. I like Tommy's version better. And I go, okay. <laughs> and he goes, you don't? <laughs> like, what? I go, no, can you please leave me alone? We have a new singer. We like our new singer. If you want to support Tommy, support him. You don't have to tear us down. This is my life now. <clears throat> That's a it's a it's a wild thing. And I'm like, is there another instance? I mean, people have replaced people, but it's never been like this craziness. I don't know. I don't to do y'all. I've been told to stay off the internet. Is that is that the move? Should I stay off the should I stay off the web? Just get into what's a what's a good I mean I could read, right? feed my brain you know but i just you know i, I want to be able to talk shit about basketball you know and movies i don't know there's something about you know there's all these really shitty downsides of social media but there's those moments where you just want to connect you want to connect and i often lately i have not wanted to connect i wanted to just hide but there are moments you want you want you want to do that and, you know like like today i talked about the new carcass album or the new spirit box album the new, you know, and things like that, like where I want to use the these mediums to like celebrate the things I enjoy, but it comes with this like shit sandwich. I don't know, but it's where I'm at. It's where I'm at right now, and I'm not gonna hide it. Okay, I'm not gonna shove it down. I'm not gonna put on a good face. All right, I'm not gonna do good PR. Right, right now they're afraid to give me interviews. <laughs> they're afraid of what I'm gonna say. And you know what? They should be. Because <laughs> I'm going to say some real shit. So be forewarned. Uh, you know, it's going to be going to be wild out there. Alrighty, we're hitting the two hour mark. I love all of you. Thank you for enjoying the show and, and listening to it and supporting it and uh, and everything. It's been, yeah, it'll be, it's we're right around five years in October coming up. So. Holy shit. All right. Y'all have a great week. Keep rocking. Mamba's out.
Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.